You're not the bad guys. We are. Welcome to the Blood and Thunder podcast. My name is Tom Savage. Hope you're having a good uh, Saturday. It's Saturday now. Um, the one thing, one thing I found out is that infant baby girls, baby boys maybe as well, are not very appreciative of my podcasting schedule. That's one thing I've noticed. One thing that's kind of stood out to me over the last couple of days um, is that my little daughter can be a little bit unpredictable. When it comes to um, how she will react to my podcasting schedule. And I've everybody knows it. But anyway, look, here we are. It is Italy versus Ireland in round number three of the 2023 Guinness Six Nations. And Ireland are on course for a slam. No other, no, no two ways about it. Ireland are on course for a slam. Italy have typically been the team where you rotate in a bunch of guys who are in and around the group but who need minutes. You know, that's something that's a fairly, you know, standard thing over the last number of years. That hasn't fully changed yet, even though Italy have improved. But it is a risk, nonetheless. uh, Italy, like, are a banana banana peel. Like, they have been, uh, over the last 10 years, I'd say, more bad than good. They've been improving the entire time. This is the thing people don't really get. Like... Kieran Crowley has kind of stepped them up to the next level. He's accelerated them on with their development again. That kind of coincides with a lot of talent coming through at the same time. Um, but like the work had to be started by somebody. So Conor O'Shea, uh, Franco Smith, guys like that who have put in like a lot of hard work for Italian rugby over the years. Like any improvement that we see now with Italy, a lot of credit goes to them. The most of it goes to Kieran Crowley and Kieran Crowley. Kieran Crowley and the, the the players of today and the like the the clubs who developed them. But I think that the the overarching structure and the overarching, I suppose, year on year development that we've seen from uh, Italy under Conor O'Shea, under Franco Smith, didn't happen quickly enough and relatively it, it wasn't at the pace that they would need to overtake other uh, other sides who were maybe in that kind of lower down ranking. But um, yeah, I, I think that Italy are certainly better than what they were. I think their win uh, last season against um, Wales away was a badly needed win that they needed just to show that they could, that they, like that they could win. And when they did that, it kind of all, I suppose, started to look far more positive for them in a, in a, in a realistic way because you can only talk about well, you know, what might happen and potential improvements for so long until it starts to become a bit of a 
you know you're kind of talking about like almost like horoscopes in a way um so it's good to see that in one way for italy because i like italian rugby and for the six nations as a whole because i think having one side that's a consistent wooden spoon candidate um you know five you know year after year five losses i think that's a bad thing for the tournament in the long run uh but italy good to see and i think that they rewarded the patience that was shown with them because it's like they are starting to improve will that mean that they'll win this game uh, I mean, probably not. But that doesn't mean that they can't scare Ireland or make this game difficult for a spell. You know, I, I expect Ireland to win. I mean, no bones about it. Like, ultimately, like, Ireland are a better side and have more quality. And even though Italy have improved, I'm not sure it's at the stage yet where they could realistically look to be beating Ireland like for like, even, you know five times out of ten four times out of ten that's kind of where we're at um but like you know we, we've seen and as i was saying in the in the uh, the red eye ahead of this the wheel always turns the wheel always turns um because again we go back 10 years and ireland lost this fixture and um looked fairly poor doing it with some again as we're saying here much better players on paper so it's not impossible and i think you look at how Italy have improved and the style of play that they have and, and different elements of their game which I think certainly stand up to uh, to scrutiny I think that uh, this game has the potential to be interesting but I would say interesting only um, for a time I think Ireland will win Ireland should win um, and again that's regardless of injuries that Ireland have which are you know again we have a few injuries a lot of, there was a lot of talk I think I saw not even sure who it was now they were talking about like Ireland has been very much on this whole adversity train over the last couple of months where everything is a challenge or um, an obstacle to be overcome or all of this kind of LinkedIn style stuff which for me personally I just find it a little bit cringe but I think it was the build up to the game here where <laughs> Gary Ringrose was ruled out through injury and the, the quote was just adversity over the uh, over the announcement it's like oh my god okay like look Ireland are a team who supposedly who supposedly have a um, have a load of of, of, of depth uh, as I was going over in the red eye like I, I don't think we have depth in the way that people think we do like I think people look at depth and they just associate that with Leinster's depth to a certain extent like I've been over and back this week on social media with the whole you know the whole Scott Penny thing (laughs) Um, but like my point was and is that a guy like that is a system call up not a merit call up he has merited it in so far that he is a a guy who was consistent and, and plays well within the Leinster system which is also the Irish system for the most part like there are small differences here or there but you know, not to the point where you'd be looking at it and, and, and saying that there's a radical difference between the two because it wouldn't make sense for there to be a radical difference between what Ireland do and what Leinster do. It just it doesn't make sense for that to be true. Like, Ireland are mostly made up of Leinster players. The success that Andy Farrell has had since 2021 on has been built off packing his team with Leinster players. So it would be ridiculous for Andy Farrell to take away the inbuilt cohesion advantage that every other coach in the world is trying to put together just for the sake of it and Ireland's success has been built on that 
good Leinster players coming in en masse to Ireland and that being the basis for the Irish team's structure and framework going forward. A lot of people have been very quick to, to reject that when I've spoken about it. And I, I think you, you could see the element of this as well when I was speaking about that Ireland have to win a Six Nations or a Grand Slam this, this, like this year and then have to win the World Cup. That there's an expectation that comes with that. I had mostly Leinster fans in my mentions going, whoa, 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 hang on there. Because they don't want to accept that there isn't a level of expectation that comes with this. And if, when there's expectation, there is either deliverance or there's failure. And if there's failure, questions have to be asked. So that's why I think people were very quick to kind of, whoa, 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 whoa hold your horses, their partner, on the whole uh, expectation and, and demand for success. But that's because I think they appreciate it that this is a Leinster team, that this is Leinster plus a couple of guys who come in and who fill out weaknesses that are in Leinster's squad. Like, I don't think that's an outrageous thing to say. I think that's fairly true, actually. And that's only hammered home when you see Scott Penny getting called up ahead of guys like John Hodnett or Nick Timoney or even Connor Oliver or the likes of Jared Butler, who's Irish qualified now. But regardless, I don't know what his story is. But either way, we know Connor Oliver is, who's been playing well for Connacht. He's an important player for them, as is John Hodnett for Munster, as is Nick Timoney for, for Ulster, who has also recently played international rugby. Like, that's fair enough to say, I think. But their performances for their provinces in big games, and remember, Scott Penny hasn't played, he hasn't played a, a single minute of knockout rugby for Leinster, hasn't even been in the match day squad. What he does at Leinster is more important to the Irish way of doing things at the moment than what it is for John Hodnett to start and play well against Toulouse in the European Cup away from home. That's just how Ireland's system runs at the moment. And you can run from that idea that that's not the way it is or whatever else. Like That is the way that it is. That's the only way that that call-up makes sense. And I'm I'm just laying it out. Like as in, a lot of people are thinking I, I'm super upset about this. I'm actually, I'm actually not super upset. This has been the way that this has been for a number of years. It started under Schmidt and it's kind of getting to extreme levels now. But you just have to appreciate that for what it is. What happens in the high performance unit is incrementally more important than anything else that you do anything else and when you're in Leinster you have more opportunities to play for Ireland at the moment that's just how it is and you can try to tell me that that's not the way it is and that it's all just 100% merit it's not that's not the way it is it's merited in the system that we currently have which is that Leinster are the template for Ireland and that you can make your way into the Irish team by doing something that Leinster don't do that they need doing. So Peter Manny, for example, a lot of people ask him, why, why the hell is he getting a, a central contract for another year? There's nobody at Leinster who does what Peter Manny does. And what his super strengths are is uh, loading up on the breakdown offensively and defensively, which Leinster have guys who do that. But nobody has his breakdown focus, his wide carrying ability, he can he can make a pass in the wide channels. He can run those channels really well. But it's his line-out work on both sides of the ball. They have no player who does that. Look at their starting back row. They have Caelan uh, Doris, whose his, his biggest strength is that he's a complete, like a total all-rounder. You have Josh van der Fleer, who again does everything except jumping in the line-out on both sides of the ball. Then you have Jack Conan, who is another all-rounder, but 
isn't exactly a kind of a, a noted counter jumper in the line out or a fella who if you were we absolutely have to make this throw to the middle are we going to go to Jack Conan no so that's their three main top guys there and you have Ryan Baird as well who's coming up who's a again he's still he's still quite raw in a lot of areas of his game but he's a, a superb athlete so why is Peter Romani and why has he been so valued under under Farrell over the last number of, of seasons because he plugs a gap that Leinster do not have in their group so his importance skyrockets same with Finley Beelham Finley Beelham was a well established Irish international before Andy Farrell came on board but Leinster do not currently have a tight head replacement for Tyg Furlong so who is that it's Finley Beelham and that was Andrew Porter but when he moved over to Lucid because Ireland Ireland mainly to be fair but Leinster benefited from it too wanted to get his power and athleticism on the field for 60-70 minutes instead of 20 minutes right which is a completely fair enough thing to do um, so the next spot I think for somebody to come and take is the bench spot behind Porter Dave Kilcoyne has been pushing really hard and looks quite good there at the moment um, but he again is kind of pushing along in age also so that's a, a kind of a, a jersey that's up for grabs Tyke Byrne for example has taken his shot in that Leinster at the moment do not have a uh, I suppose a second second row of the calibre of uh, James Ryan and Leinster have appreciated that James Ryan is not what they need as a tight head lock at Leinster that's why they went out and signed Jason Jenkins so when Jason Jenkins went in there that allowed James Ryan to be to play a more a looser role for example in the second row that isn't the case at Ireland but because Jason Jenkins isn't Irish qualified um, Tyg Byrne has taken up a lot of minutes because he's really good like he's a world class player and like that is another example of filling a hole in the Irish squad that Leinster do not currently fill themselves so the other spot would be the second winger spot James Lowe is nailed on and absolutely like James Lowe is an outstanding player and he's one of those cornerstone guys for this Irish team right like what he brings there puts Ireland up onto the next level and like as in he's a difference maker for Ireland but Leinster at the moment do not have a guy who fills what Ireland want in the back three which is uh, I suppose uh, like Mac Hansen fits it perfectly like Mac Hansen is a guy who's played 10 at underage uh, he is just a good all-rounder again but he's a great kicker of a ball good handler he can step in at first receiver and, and move the ball on good finisher quick uh, aggressive as well like that fits it but it's his kicking game as well is a, is, a, is a big plus for getting him in there I think that's partly why he's ahead of, of Robert Balakoon and why he's ahead of Jordan Larmour because that's something that he does better than them and that fills a hole that Leinster don't have in their team so that's kind of like I think that's fair enough to say that that's what the system is so like when we look at it that way we we don't have depth as such we have a system that works really well we have a couple of absolutely cannot lose guys we, we like this Irish team cannot lose Andrew Porter Caelan Doris you could make an argument for uh, Gary Ringrose as well and Hugo Keenan we cannot lose those guys and you have a look at, at Jonathan Sexton as well although I think we're getting closer to the point where 
you know, we made a gamble, okay, at the start of the 2020 cycle that Sexton would be the guy for the World Cup. We did not invest any serious resources at all in finding a replacement for him. We didn't, okay? Like, what Ireland have done under Farrell, especially once we started winning, right, is completely, like, took away risk in big ranking matches, right? If there was a big game to be played, be it in November or in the Six Nations or whatever, Ireland went to the team that Farrell knew produced. There was no, and like, there would be the odd fella injured and somebody would come in and step in and do well or whatever, right? But that was never consistent. Like, but this is not, this is not new. Like, you look at Kieran Marmion, for example, came in and played well in, in a kind of a, a win over the All Blacks, was it in 2019? Um, and like, looked fucking fantastic Conor Murray was injured in that in, in that game but like he's 31 like he's got 28 Ireland caps since 2014 which is Jesus that's a long time ago now that's nine years ago like so he was not somebody then who went on to be a, a regular for Ireland like that's just not how it happened and not how it played out in the intervening years and that's fine but the guys who we've seen getting opportunities They've always been in either scratch sides or in mostly scratch sides. And Ireland haven't usually played well in those because why would they? This is a system that is built on cohesion. Ireland play with the most cohesion in world rugby. Every other coach in the game is looking for it and they can't get it. Ireland have it on their doorstep and it's been successful. Because look, you could, you could look at a team like, you know, you could look at a tier two team and look at them and, and say that like well most of their players might play together year round like I think the Fiji and Drua are trying to do that in Super Rugby right where they play year round so they'll have a far better understanding of each other and when it comes to big test matches having the ability to play with a level of intuition with the players who you are alongside offensively and defensively is what everybody wants Okay, so it makes complete sense. Like, I'm just trying to explain my, my, my thinking on this coming into this game because, like, people have been asking me and it's like, it's not something worth getting upset over like or worth getting angry over. And I'm certainly not. I'm just explaining that that's just how it is. It's like, and you can't look at the selection and the, and the selection patterns over the last number of years and say that it's not because it, it is. <laughs> it is. And, and it's okay. Like, because it's been successful for Ireland. The ends justify the means. Okay? So if it's a bit easier for Leinster players to get squad call-ups and even get caps, that's just the cost of doing business. And it's a a net benefit for Leinster. And and one thing I found in the last week is that people don't seem to like the idea that Leinster have an advantage. Nobody wants to think that that they're playing anything on easy mode. Okay? And I'm not saying that Leinster are. But it is easier for a Leinster player to get a call up to the Ireland squad as a training uh, somebody there for training or whatever else because of proximity but because of also the system proximity between Ireland and, and Leinster so it, it it is easier and it's handier and a, a guy playing for Munster or for Ulster or for Connacht has to play so much better for so much longer to get even close to the same opportunities and I think nobody who's open to looking at things as they are could agree that it's anything other than that
okay? Like you could say, oh, look at Mack Hansen. Mack Hansen had one of the best starts of any young player coming into Ireland when he first came over here. Scored a bucket of tries consecutively and also had uh, he was playing in a position where there wasn't a whole ton of Leinster incumbents that were system dependent and he had a few injuries that popped up at the right time came in took his opportunity and he's flying it you might say look at Craig Casey Craig Casey has been a, a category one match day regular for Munster since at least 2021 right so after the pandemic he came in and was playing as the alt guy you know the 1A to 1B to Conor Murray for the last two or three years um, he has played and started in a lot of European Cup games he played like you know massive games from Munster there and people have this idea that because Munster were kind of a judge to be playing like Johan van Kronball or whatever that anything that Munster did was of lesser value but like I think that that, that Casey showed that he has the qualities that you would invest in and he has been invested in so it's not a case of oh they want an all Leinster 23 look I'm sure if that if that was what working what, what worked for Ireland they would but like guys have got their opportunities but it's just it's harder for other guys to get those levels of opportunities for example like I look at Joe McCarthy as a, a really good young player but a fellow who's very raw very very raw and maybe shouldn't really be involved at Irish level as of yet right he gets the call up because they like having guys of that size in camp he's right there it's it's not a big deal and it's it look it's a net benefit to Joe McCarthy and to Leinster but that's just the way that it is and it, like I'm trying to explain it as sort of passively as I can because people have you know people get really worked up over this over this stuff once you're involved in rugby at any level in this country for any like for for longer than any small period of time you see that there's a massive Dublin focus that's just the way that it is it's just the way it is I work for the IRFU like I work for the IRFU for me the IRFU and the Irish national team succeeding is brilliant for me but like there is a Dublin focus when it comes to the national side that's just how it's how it's been for the last like this isn't even new like this is this is how it's been really for the last maybe 10 years it is what it is, okay? And it's just one of those things that you just have to accept it for what it is. Maybe look at it and go, should it be different? I mean, in theory, but like, if Ireland are winning, then there's no incentive to change it. So I think that's the the, the, the big focus for me coming in here. But like, my, my point was, is that when Ireland have to make changes and when Ireland have to make a lot of um, unf- like enforced changes, because like, I think that if Farrell had his way here with this selection, you might only have one or two changes from the matchday squad. Like there were there were guys who we'd have to manage. Like you'd have to manage Omani here. Like Omani's kind of at the stage now where is it his last contract at Irish level? Who knows? But he's at the level now where you don't really want to be maxing him out for you know sixty minutes, you know five games in a row, like. He's playing that kind of 60-minute man role for Ireland now where he just absolutely supercharges what he does. Like his, like he is in a super role for that heavy combo flanker. Heavy line-out involvement, heavy breakdown involvement on both sides of the ball for 60 minutes. And then 
you bring on Conan that slightly changes up the dynamic of that back five Kaelin Dorrit starts to do a little bit more of what Peter Manny was doing Jack Conan starts to go a little bit more on ball and, and that's worked really well for Ireland Whoops. over the last number of, of, of games so you don't want to be doing that too much with Peter Manny. now he's on the bench here and people were just like why wasn't Gavin Coombs on the bench ask yourself the question what do Leinster have in their team and what do they not have how would you balance out Leinster in a game like this you'd have somebody with a big line out focus on the bench and Ryan Baird is coming in as a second row which is slightly different so that's why Farrell wants to put Peter Manny in for this one Gavin Coombs look I certainly would have started him here if it was me but it's not me but if you're not starting him with the framework that we know Ireland play the only option that makes sense is for Peter Manny to be in the bench that's like once we're dealing with the internal logic of what we've seen at Ireland level everything makes sense so like that's just the the, the biggest thing for me is just understanding that this is the framework and, and this is what this is what has worked for Ireland so this is what Ireland will keep doing until there's a, a an incentive to change so the back three is unchanged Hugo Keenan Mac Hansen and James Lowe uh, Bundy Aki and Stuart McCluskey midfield big worry there there's a big worry there and I'll tell you why um, Ireland oh, that was very X-Factory there wasn't it the whole I'll t- and I'll tell you why and I'll tell you why um, I'll tell you why because um, Gary Ringrose is one of the most important players to this Irish side like there was talk about why James Ryan was made the captain over um, over Gary Ringrose here I think they were a little bit unsure about Ringrose coming into this game James Ryan is fully fit so make him the captain for the week let him run it no issue there really but Gary Ringrose over the last year um, he's not the offensive player I think that people would like to believe he is but defensively he is up there for me with Lucanio Am um, not just because he and, like, and look I know it's a joke about him hitting guys so hard in the tackle that he bounces off them <laughs> which again is, is, is funny but his um, it's his intelligence his reading of the game his pace as well his aggression like Ireland's defence is a massive part of the success over the last number of, of years I think Andy Farrell initially wasn't focusing too much on the defence I think that was Easterby was the defence coach I think I think that was the case but whoever is doing it now looks very like an Andy Farrell defence so whether that's somebody who's just going doing his best Andy Farrell impression or whether it's Andy Farrell doing the majority of the coaching on defence um, it's working and it relies on real aggression on the outside edges and Gary Ringrose is somebody who brings that like he might hop off guys he might scrag guys or whatever else but he rarely fails to get a slowdown on a player that he's tackling and he's so fast and he's so intelligent with the reads that he makes is that he is he is the the guy who pins and hems in any sort of transition attack and that's going to be really important here because Italy and Ireland like we play very similarly when it comes to our on-ball state very similarly a lot of passes a high pass per carry um go through a lot of phases really quick rock ball as well like Italy are really good at generating quick rock ball they get actually better quality collisions than we do 
they get over 50% of their collisions go over the gain line. Ireland is 48.1 or something like that. Small, but again, significant. Um, so like they're off- offensively are very, very good and they're offensively very, like they're very, very good in that middle block of the field. You'll see them in this game where they will look like they're, you know, bursting over the gain line or whatever else. Good midfield defence is the biggest thing you need against Italy. Because Ireland are the, the team who's kicked, we kicked the second most in the, the Six Nations so far. France are number one, we're number two. That again is not a surprise. Leinster are a high kicking, or a high volume kicking team with high distance, so are Ireland. Now, the question for me in this game is, will we continue with that long distance, high volume kicking game knowing as we do that Ange Capuozzo is one of the most dangerous transition runners in the Six Nations will we continue to do that? That's the risk I think we might look to play a shorter contestable game here Why? Well because it it limits the the effectiveness of Capuozzo but also the Italian scrum is the most penalised so far in the Six Nations. So typically, the risk of playing a short or contestable game is that you'll get a lot more scrums. And as a result, if you've got a problem scrummaging, as Ireland do, you can end up conceding a ton of momentum because you concede penalties or a ton of resets. It's exhausting to play and you end up getting marched back down the field defending a ton of lineouts. Against Italy... That would be a problem. They have a good maul and they've scored six tries so far. Oh no, not, not, is it six? Five or six? Directly from the lineout. Ireland used to be a massive lineout scoring team, but we're actually not. We're actually way further back now when it comes to scoring directly from the lineout. Teams have copped onto that. Uh, teams are defending our maul a fair bit better outside the, the ones on the five metre line because to be fair, like everybody's maul looks good on the five metre line for the most part. Um, but yeah, that's something that teams have, have, have shut down. But on the other side of it, our kick return, basically our counter transition game has compensated for that where we've scored a ton of tries on counter transition. Like the, the biggest outcome from all of our line breaks over the last two games has been a try. So when we make a line break, the most likely outcome after that is that Ireland score a try, which is amazing, really, when you think about it. But that's like how effective and efficient Ireland have been. Italy are kind of the opposite, where we play a broadly similar style, but they kick way, way less than we do. Like what Italy don't want is they don't want to be defending for for long sequences. Defensively, like they concede a ton of twenty-two entries. That's been their biggest problem over the last number of years. It's still a problem now. What's saving them and making them look better over the last two games is that they're being really efficient once they get into the 22 of the opposition, which they're still not doing to the rate they need to, but they're way more efficient once they get in there. So that's why they look so good against France. They converted opportunities, but they're not creating enough of them. So for Ireland, I think that that's the big risk in this game where do you play off ball against this Italy team? Personally, I'm not sure if playing off ball is a smart play anymore at all in world rugby. They want teams playing with the ball in hand. So that's going to be a big challenge today for, for Casey, but mainly for Ross Byrne, who starts this game at 10. Like, as I was saying, they're, they're defensively, like, your midfield is your biggest weapon on transition defence. They plug the gaps that teams go looking for, for the most part. McCluskey and Aki, for me, seem a little poorly matched there. 
I'm not sure. I, I'm pretty sure that he doesn't have the pace on the outside edge to shut down and I suppose just guard the space he needs to effectively, especially relative to McCluskey. McCluskey and Ringrose really worked because as big and, and, and not that he's slow or anything, but like laterally, he's a bit slower than Aki and a bit slower than, than Henshaw, well, radically slower than Henshaw, I would say. But Ringrose compensates for that because he's got such a wide defensive radius. Aki doesn't have that same defensive radius. So the risk for Ireland today in this game is if we kick long to Italy and go for, you know, a long sequence of transition, like they have the guys who can catch us. Like they can catch us on transition with that midfield. So that's going to be a big, a big, uh, like work on and a big work on, work on, like I'm what I'm talking, like Joel Schmidt. That's a big area for Ireland to focus on in this game is that transition defense. How do how many how many times would we expose ourselves to it? Because our transition defense is one of our best features, really. So the worry for me is is that Italy get exposure to uh, Bondiaki and James Lowe on a long transition sequence. That's the big worry, and I think in this game, Josh van der Fleer is going to have to be doing so much defensive coverage. This is a game where I would not be surprised if van der Fleer gets. 15 plus tackles in early and which I know he tends to do anyway but this is a game where I can see him almost playing a little bit like Gary Ringrose defensively where he's playing a little bit further out that's something to watch for in this game I think um but yeah so uh, Ross Byrne offensively I think Ireland have to go on ball here but we'll need to see a lot of movement from Ross Byrne like we saw last night uh, when Ireland were playing Italy in the under 20s game Ireland, Ireland under 20s they played really well but the issue for me is is that it's quite predictable to watch. Like if you're looking at the the Irish under twenties playing, it's there's similarities to the Irish senior team, where there's a lot of rugby played off nine. The ball goes to the screen. There was not a whole lot of movement once that ball went to ten in the screen, but the pass was generally quite good off that, and from there, you could work. Um, for Ireland, the worry here with Ross Byrne is, is that he doesn't like for for the initial sixty minutes of this game that he'd be on the field. I would say that he is unable to stretch the Italian defence. Because the Italian defence is, the, is their big weakness in this game. But we want to expose that on multi-phase. Ireland scored a lot of tries on multi-phase. So we'll be able to, I suppose, if we can expose the defensive issues that they've shown all season, well, in the two games so far this season, but also in November, we'll win this game comfortably. It won't really matter what we do. But when we have on-ball possession, I want to see Ross Byrne attacking that line. And he's going to be having real physical attention from uh, Michele Lamaro, from uh, Sebastian Negri, and from uh, Lorenzo Canone, who is uh, Nicolo Canone's brother. Like, these are big physical guys. And even their midfield, like uh, Juan Ignacio Brex and Tommaso Menoncello, like, these are like they're big physical guys they're quick they're aggressive they're going to be looking to squeeze Ross Byrne if you're Italy there's one thing that you would look at if you've any experience of playing Ross Byrne for Leinster is that his ball carrying inside is not elite his speed his agility is not elite so he is more prone to stepping and passing on the outside if I'm Italy my defensive shift today is based on giving Ross Byrne the inside shooting up really aggressively into Ireland's you know the, the 3-2x really aggressively onto the 2 and even beyond into the screen 
to basically go, Ross Byrne, you carry the ball. We want you carrying the ball in the link. We don't want we don't we don't want to see you just slinging the ball on and looking for loops or whatever else. We want you to carry. And if I'm Italy, I'm sending in Brex, I'm sending in Menoncello, I'm using Negri, Lamaro, Lorenzo Canone to really aggressively shoot on that middle space that Ireland used. That tooth that like that like that two pod in the middle on that progression from the ruck to the ten to the you know to the two and then the layered runner behind it. That's going to be the focus for, for Italy, I think, defensively, to squeeze that. Because if they can, they will force Ross Byrne to start carrying inside. And that's where there has been issues with him fumbling the ball in contact, him getting turned over, him getting really do- like dominantly just like hitting the tackle, which Italy have a really high number of, of dominant tackles as well. That's going to be the big, big focus here. Because if I'm Ireland, like I'm looking at it and thinking, like... You could play off ball and play long transitions here, but like Italy don't kick the ball back. So like you look at Capuozzo, you look at uh, Paolo Garbisi, you look at Padovani, you look at Pier Bruno. Like these are all guys who can hurt you on transition. They've got like they've got real pace, real agility. Uh, Capuozzo and Garbisi in particular, really incredibly high quality players. That's the danger. So that's going to be the I think the the big question mark for Ireland here is if we can manage our own kicking game will we go short will we go long and again like Ireland have the players who can do both like if we're going to go short you need a lot of work there from Lowe and from Hansen. Hansen in fairness is very good on, that, on those short contestables that's going to be a big focus but like I I don't know I'd be very surprised to see this Irish team play long counter transition against this Italian team maybe once the game is won like our, our, our Ireland are you know up decisively but honestly I think that the big focus here is Italy give away a lot of breakdown penalties they give away a lot of breakdown penalties between the 20th minute and the 30th minute and they can see a lot of tries from those breakdown penalties when you kick long when you line out um, they can see a lot of tries there so again look there's a lot of pressure on Ross Byrne who has earned his spot here by the way he's earned his spot to start this game so like from that uh, like phase play that we were talking about equally his execution of the line out is going to be just as important where Italy can see tries from, 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 from that set piece a lot can he exploit that can he make the passes and again I think Italy will understand that Ross Byrne good player has weaknesses goal kicking is not one of them he's one of the best goal kickers in the Six Nations this year himself and Johnny Sexton can you squeeze him can you expose where he's not elite and if they can, they can make this game really interesting for the first half, maybe for the first 60 minutes. I expect their depth to catch them ultimately. But this is not your... Well, I'm not going to say your granddad's Italy team because they were quite good as well. This is not your stepdad's team. <laughs> this is not your stepdad's Italy. Um, but they are... Again, they, they have their flaws. Ireland, I would fully expect to win this game. But it has the potential to be very interesting from a tactical perspective. Um the key player for me here in this one is Caelan Doris. Um, he is the guy who plays both Peter Manny's role and Caelan Doris's role. He can do both really, really well. Really, really well. Bar the line outside where he's not as complete as Peter Manny is on both sides of the throw from the line out. Everything else he does to an incredibly high standard. That's why he's so important to this team. Big focus on Jack Conan here as well where... If Ireland are going well, you will see Jack Conan in the wider channels getting a lot of uh, a lot of ball, looking quite dangerous for the initial part of the game. 
you will see if Ireland are not doing well you will see them having to narrow up and Jack Conan becoming more of a focus in the three pod and the two pod that's where the three pod is where we don't want to see him the two pod is where he can be quite dangerous you know on his day the wide pod I think is where he does his best work so I think that that's going to be a, an interesting one to see can you get the ball to Jack Conan in the areas where he's dangerous do we have the 10 do we have the midfield to make that happen and how much compensation will James Lowe and Mac Hansen have to do from a creative standpoint will we see more of Hugo Keenan going on ball which I think is less of a of, of a of a of a we'll say have a prime role for him where I don't want to see him passing the ball too much I want to see him running the ball back which he does more than anybody else almost I want to see him doing that I don't want to see him stepping in at first receiver six seven eight times and I have no interest in that whatsoever but we may well see James Lowe and Mac Hansen doing that as well as Bundy Akeen and Stuart McCluskey but I think their pass action might be something that could come under pressure also um, so yeah it's going to be very very interesting and uh, I think the line is going to be the big focus here if we can do well there this game should go fairly smoothly but yeah no it's it has to set, it's set up to be very very interesting tactically so yeah uh, later on I should be doing a TRK radio later on after this game um, I will do that at, after all the games are played so this evening I would say maybe 8 o'clock and uh, yeah enjoy the game enjoy the Six Nations and I will talk to you later on